0: The Lord be with you. With a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus addressed this parable to the Pharisees and scribes What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, He calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. The Gospel of the Lord. I think it's actually helpful to start just right where um, St. Paul starts in the second reading today. He says, Brothers and sisters, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You know, we just, we celebrate Pentecost, and then we celebrate Corpus Christi, and now we're celebrating the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And so there's a couple things that I had mentioned in in the homilies leading all the way up to this time that really overlap and make a whole lot of sense to one another. And so one of the things that we realize is that the heart of Jesus is what converts men, right? It is his loving heart and the Holy Spirit being sent, like St. Paul says, that changes other people's hearts, right? He changes the heart of St. Paul. He changed the heart of many of us and configures it to his own heart. One of the things that that we remember from from sacred tradition is the the Roman soldier that pierces the side of Jesus, his name is Longinus. Longinus pierces the side of Jesus and, and write, blood and water pour out from his sacred heart, from his side. And one of the things that I mentioned to all of us that's so important about that is that we have to look back into the Old Testament and remember just how important the Jerusalem temple was for the Jewish people. It was everything to them. Everything to them. And they did animal sacrifices there. And the temple, the way that it was built, is that all of the blood of the sacrifices flowed out of the side of the temple, meeting the water of the river in the temple. These two things converged together. So, And then I reminded everybody that there's an amazing scene that we remember in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew, where The disciples are walking with Jesus through a wheat field, right? Even that alone is a prefigurement of the Eucharist itself. And they're picking the heads of grain off of the wheat, right? But of course, they're always being closely watched by those religious leaders of the day. And they're like, you're doing unnecessary servile work on the Sabbath. And they get mad at them for picking the heads of grain. And then Jesus reminds them of another prefigurement. He's like, do you not remember when David and his soldiers had no food And that they ate the bread that was kept sort of like bread that was kept in our tabernacle a prefigurement not the eucharist but a prefigurement of it and it was only reserved for the priests to eat but david seeing the needs of the people realizes that that is more important than the situation at hand we always know it's like the needs of the people god is always looking out for that as the best interest and he says that again right would you not help your neighbor pulled their ox out of a hole or something, if it happened, would you not do an act of charity on the Sabbath? He goes, that's not what I'm talking about. Keep doing acts of charity, right? But don't do these unnecessary things that you don't need to do. So when they're walking through there, picking the heads of grain, he says to them, something greater than the temple is here. And every time he spoke like that, he used to drive people crazy, right? Because they'd be like, he's blasphemous. That's the most important thing to us. How could he say that there's something greater than the temple? He's speaking about himself, right? And that's why that blood and water that flowed from his heart, from his side, he is the new temple. And some of you might know about, you know, because thankfully we had a bunch of the Eucharistic miracle, um, all the different posters up during Corpus Christi after the procession. And one of the most amazing ones and one of the most recent ones is the miracle um, in Mexico, in Tixla, Mexico, in 2006, miraculously, when they're distributing communion during that, inside the saboria, one of the hosts that was taken out to be distributed starts to emit blood, and it starts to bleed. The host starts to bleed in 2006, and people witness this. and And what do they do? Like what they always do, they do a study on it. And on the study, they're saying it's not on the outside of the host. It's coming out from the center of the host like a wound. And then what happens when they do further study on it? It's cardiac tissue. It's heart tissue. Every time they test these Eucharistic miracles, it is always the heart of Jesus that they examine in there. It's truly amazing. The blood type, AB, just like on the Shroud of Turin and other Eucharistic miracles it's staggering. Even after they examine these things, they say that after, you know, the tissue would be removed from somebody, it could only survive about 48 hours. But miraculously, there's new blood under the coagulated blood of living tissue. No science can explain that, right? Only a supernatural reality, something that is above our natural world that we live in, can, can show us something so miraculous. And sometimes the Lord, like I've said before, he'll peel back the veil and show aspects of himself to us. You know, signs that it's just like, I am truly here. Under normal circumstances, that's not the case. But under extraordinary circumstances, he gives us a gift, a gift that helps bolster our belief more. So if we want the heart of Jesus... It, it all starts here at the altar when we receive him Then it is his heart that can actually configure Ours to his after receiving him after receiving his egress. We receive all of our lord. Jesus christ Including his most sacred heart And that's how a person starts to transform Is that they start to be open to change And then they receive the lord and then from the inside out just like that wound things change it's just an amazing reality it's so amazing it's hard to even like describe it because it's it's sort of an impossibility in a human mind but we remember with god all things are possible the other day i mentioned when we look at our gospel today but that only really happens we can only help other people if we first helped ourselves right we have to be converted first, and then we can get other converts. Then we can look for the lost sheep. But if we're lost, lost sheep looking for other lost sheep, or just a whole bunch of lost sheep, right, you know? But it's like, if we have been found by the Lord, but remember, like I mentioned with the plane, what do they tell you? In the event of an emergency, you know, oxygen masks will come down from the ceiling. Put your own on first before helping, you know, those that that need more help, right? Because if you pass out, you can't help anybody, right? So once we've been converted, once the heart of Jesus is transforming our heart, then we can go out and transform the other hearts of people. We literally have to be armed with him, armed with the beating heart of Jesus in our chest, not our own chest. Not our own heart. You know, it literally is just like, I want your heart, Lord, to be my heart so that they would beat in unison. That's kind of like that amazing thought of like mother and child, right? That like your hearts can almost be in sync with each other. And that's the desire that we have when we celebrate the most sacred heart of Jesus is that we walk through the rest of our lives with our heart beating in sync with the heart, the most sacred heart of Jesus Christ. God bless you all.